from him who was and who is and who is to come, our Savior Jesus, dear Christian friends, we're creatures of comfort. Let's just be honest, right? We are. And that's not an all bad thing. Comfort is a good thing. We like to be comfort, comfortable. If you want me to prove my point, let me give you a choice. Would you prefer to continue sitting in the chair you are sitting in right now or a nice, soft, leather, easy chair? It's not a hard choice, is it? These aren't the most comfortable chairs. We're thankful we have them. But boy, it'd be nice to have something that was a little more comfortable. And being comfortable is a good thing. It's, it's a blessing from God to have comfort. Unfortunately, though, it's, it's easy to take that good thing from God and to turn it into something that we love, something that we live for, something that we then also worship, something that becomes the God that we serve. I think that's probably pretty true in our, our modern society where where convenience and comfort have become a God that we long to serve. Let me give you a real simple example. It probably won't make sense to people under a certain age, but raise your hand if you ever had a TV that did not have a remote control. So now, right, in the, back in the day, you had to go and, and either pull the knob or turn it to turn it on. And then if you wanted to change the channel to one of the other three channels that you got, you had to go and click, 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 click. And <gasps> if you wanted to turn the volume up, oh my goodness, you had to walk across the room. Oh, the horror, the humanity, right? And so now you people who had this TV, you know what it's like to not have a remote control. Now you have much newer, much nicer TVs with these fancy remotes that can do a hundred more things than we even know what they can do. And let me ask you, what happens when the remote goes missing? Do you stand up and just simply walk across the room and turn the volume up or flip the channel or hit the power button? Or do you spend an immense amount of time and energy tearing the room apart, looking under cushions, looking under furniture, looking behind this, looking in the blankets, to find that remote? Is it possible that that remote, the, the convenience of that remote, is worth a significant expenditure of energy so that we can have that comfort and that convenience of being able to sit on the couch and click around. It's not just TV remotes, though, is it, right? I mean, just think of all the, the modern conveniences we have that make life comfortable, right? Direct deposit, you hardly even have to go to the bank anymore, ever. It all happens digitally. It all happens right on your phone, right? You can order, order food, and it'll get delivered, and you don't even have to leave the couch. You need a ride to go somewhere? Oh, great. There's an Uber for that. There's an, a Lyft for that, right? Just click on it. They'll come pick you up. You don't have to start a car. You just walk out, hop in. They'll drop you where you need to go. You can even order groceries, right? Go online, put, put all the stuff in your basket, submit your order. It'll be waiting for you when you pick it up. Or if you really want comfort, they'll even bring it to you. And these are not bad things, right? They save us time. They save us energy. These are, these are good things. 
But is it possible that in our push, our continual striving for comfort, that, that we start to make that the thing that we long for, the thing that we live for, the thing that we love? Because it's easy to turn that, that good thing into something that we elevate to the best thing in our lives. That this is the, the thing that we want the most, that we serve, that we run after, that we spend our time and our energy wanting. And God says, then when that's the case, then it's no longer a good thing. And he wants us to examine our hearts this morning to see if we've allowed comfort to take the place where God wants to be. And if that's the case, he wants us to do what the theme of our message is this morning, the theme of our worship, and that's to give up, not comfort. You don't have to be an ascetic. You don't have to sit on the floor and give away all your furniture and, and cut off all electricity. Some of you experienced that this week with power outages. God doesn't say you have to give up everything of comfort, but to guard your heart and to give up the love of comfort. Let's take a listen as Jesus begins talking in Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 31. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He, Jesus replied, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Now, Jesus had been teaching for about two and a half years at this point. So this is the majority of the way through his earthly ministry. The Pharisees were not Jesus' friend, and so it's kind of a, it makes you wonder about how genuine this warning is. If, they, if they're really warning Jesus that, hey, look out, Herod's trying to get you, or if they just want Jesus to keep moving. Either way, Jesus' response is the same, isn't it? I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep preaching, and I'm going to keep teaching people about the kingdom of God, about God's grace, about God's goodness, about the Savior. And I'm going to keep performing miracles that prove that I am God, that clearly demonstrate that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And then, eventually, I'll get to Jerusalem. And when I get there, well, then he'll reach his goal. He will accomplish his mission, right? The word Jesus use, is, uses is actually a form of the same word he cried out on the cross. It is finished. It is accomplished. It is completed. He was going towards his goal to accomplish his mission of salvation for all people. Now, those are the kinds of words that we're used to hearing from Jesus, right? But then Jesus says something else. He, he bemoans. He even grieves for Jerusalem. Take a look. Verse 34. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, I'm going to be honest. This sermon was a little bit harder to write than probably most of the other ones that I've written. 
And I think there, there's a part of that is because it, it makes me a little uncomfortable. And I kind of hope it does for you too. These aren't words that we're used to hearing from Jesus. At least not all that often, right? We're used to hearing him, him talk about love and forgiveness and, and God's sending a Savior. But here he, he says words that we don't really like to hear and that we don't really want to think about. And they make us a little bit uncomfortable. And that's probably a good thing. Because Jesus didn't just like say these words off the cuff, right? You can, you can almost hear the pain as he speaks these words. Jerusalem, ironically, was the last place on earth that a prophet should be killed. The, it was the, the city of David, right? It was the, the city name literally means, Jerusalem means city of peace. It, it, was, it was where God's temple was, the house of God with the, the holy of holies. And in that holy of holies was, was the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat of God where he promised his people, his Old Testament people, that's where he dwelled. This was the city that was supposed to be the holy city, the home of God's people. But it had become a shell of holiness, a, a facade of faith. The temple still stood, and, and the priests still went about their duties, but so much of it was words without hearts. So much of it was, was rituals without substance. And here's the problem, and it's a problem that God wants us to watch out for as well. It's our first takeaway this morning, that God's people had become so comfortable with God that they stopped actually worshiping God. They had lost their awe. They had lost their wow of God, of God's word. And that's why God repeatedly sent messengers, right? He, he sent messengers with his word to call his people back to him. We heard an example of that from the prophet Jeremiah today. Jeremiah is one well-known one, Elijah, Isaiah. And they, along with a host of others that we don't know the names of or don't know well, what was the response when God sent messengers with his word? They were rejected. Time and time and time again. They rejected God's messenger, and in doing so, they rejected God's message, and that meant they also rejected God. They even rejected God's son. Some, some rejected God violently, right? I mean, they, were, they wanted to kill Jeremiah. They did kill Jesus. Some, though, just rejected him with apathy, indifference. And that's why Jesus' words are, are so urgent. They're so startling, right? I longed for you. I love you. I sent my representatives, my messengers to you with my word. I called you back to me. I, I poured out my love to you. But you were not willing. And that's where it gets uncomfortable, isn't it? 
we know God is clear that he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. We know that God sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We like those messages and we often want it to stop there because that's, that's where we're comfortable. But God, God has a different purpose. And it's not about our being comfortable. Instead, it's our, our second takeaway this morning. God wants to comfort me, not necessarily make me comfortable. After all, we live in a world that's dying. It's filled to the brim with brokenness, with sin. And that's what we want to be comfortable in. We don't usually think of it that way, but that's the reality. That's the way God sees it. And that's why he sees the danger in not just having comfort, but in loving it, in wanting to be so comfortable here, now, with this stuff in this world, that we take, stop taking God very seriously. I'm sure we can probably think of people who have rejected God with hostility, right? You probably know someone that if you said the word Jesus to them, that was going to be a, a long, drawn-out, and not calm response. But I bet we can think of a lot more people that, that we know that aren't hostile towards God. They're just kind of indifferent. They're apathetic. It, it's just not a big deal. They don't really care. And, and that's what Jesus is warning, not just about those other people in our lives, but, but he's warning you and me to watch out for the same thing, that, that we become indifferent. We become so comfortable in life that we become so comfortable even with sin that we lose our love, our need for God and his word. Because we all have these, these sinful and stubborn hearts, don't we? I mean, we don't like to admit that. And we certainly don't like to admit just how sinful and just how stubborn they are. And so, you know, when it comes time to, to admit our sins, well, we struggle to be real, don't we? We struggle to be, to be honest. Okay, yeah, I said, I said that word, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I lost my temper. And yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. That, that probably wasn't good. Sorry, God. But we don't look at our own hearts and examine the roots and, and get past those surface sins that, that other people know. And, but look at the ones that, that we try to not let anyone else know. In fact, the ones that we try to fool ourselves about, that we, that we don't even want to admit is a problem in our own lives, in our own hearts, and that we think in doing so we can even hide from God. And we become comfortable with our sin. And our sinful heart wants to stay with this comfortable idea that, you know what, we're, we're pretty good people. I mean, I look around and there's some, there's some good people in here, some people with big hearts, some people who are really faithful at work, some people who are great parents, great kids. 
Some people who, who do things for others out of, without looking for anything in return. And boy, we're good people, aren't we? And you know what? I, yeah, there are definitely times, certainly days, and especially moments when I definitely need a Savior, but I'm not nearly as bad as some other people. They really need a Savior. We become comfortable with the idea, the soul-endangering idea, that I don't need a Savior every second of every day. And I'm not really so bad. And then our sinful and stubborn hearts, well, Sunday morning rolls around. Opportunity to, to be in God's word here or opportunity to gather around God's word at home or even, even in a life group. And you know what? Our sinful heart says, you've heard it all before. What's he going to say today that's so different than what you've heard before? And, and we, you know, we would never say, pfft. God, I don't want to hear your word. We'd never throw our Bible across the room, but, but we might treat it kind of like the neighbor kid who comes, knocks on our door and selling candy bars. <laughs> no thanks. I, I've got enough candy here today. Thanks. I'm good. And we become really comfortable with the idea that, well, unlike what we just sang, we don't need God. And we certainly don't need him every day because we already know enough and, and maybe we even know, we don't even know everything. In our sinful hearts, well, they don't really like some parts of God's Word. Because there are some parts of God's Word that are, that are tough. And our sinful hearts hear when God tells us things like, husbands and wives submit to each other out of reverence for Christ instead of trying to get the upper hand. where God says things like, love your neighbor in the same way and with the same amount of love that you love yourself. God says something like, doesn't matter what their politics are. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, not pointing out their faults and not highlighting their failings. God says things like, use the gifts that I give you because they're all from him. Use the gifts that he gives you well. Enjoy them, but also use them well so that you can be generous as you give back to him and as you share with others. And we hear those words and our, our sinful hearts go, oh, you got to be kidding me. That's really hard. And it's kind of painful. And it's something that, that I really can only do from a heart that's filled with faith. And you know what? It's, it's hard and therefore it's going to be uncomfortable and just easier not to do it. And as a result, we don't really make an effort. We don't even try. We don't fight the temptation we just kind of go with the flow because, you know what, it's a whole lot easier to be comfortable. And we comfort ourselves and we say, yeah, but, but I know Jesus, so I'm good. I don't need to do any of the things he says I need to do, especially if they make me uncomfortable, especially if they're difficult or painful. 
And that's a dangerous, dangerous thought. That is the love of comfort over the love of God. See, there's a reason why Jesus warns about these words. There's a reason why Jesus laments over Jerusalem. There's a reason why Jesus calls you and me back to us because he says, I I love you. I long for you. I want you to be free from this guilt, to be free from this sin, to get it out of your life. But you were not willing. Ouch. It's pretty similar to the words that we heard in Philippians chapter 3 where, where Paul is talking about people and he's not talking about people who are unbelievers. He's talking about Christians when he says, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God not in heaven, it's their stomach. It's living for the moment. It's whatever they can fill themselves up with. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. And here's why the love of comfort is so dangerous. It's our third takeaway this morning. The love of comfort is dangerous for my soul because I don't need God to comfort me. I'm already comfortable. But God doesn't want us to be comfortable in this sinful and broken world. There's a reason why Jesus talks about the Christian life, and he talks about it as carrying a cross. It's going to be difficult. There are times where it's going to be painful. It's going to require standing up for your faith. It's going to mean getting knocked down, taking some, some verbal punches, It's going to mean having people not care about us, mock us, laugh at us. It's going to be difficult. It's going to mean that we have to step outside of our personal comfort zone. It's going to make us uncomfortable. But here's the thing. When those Pharisees told Jesus, you know, get out of here, And where did Jesus say he was going to go eventually? He said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And he was going to go to Jerusalem because he knew what was ahead. See, that's the amazing thing. We know when something bad, when something dangerous is in the road ahead of us, what do we do? We swerve, we go a different way, we avoid it, sometimes at all costs. Jesus knew what was ahead and he went. And it was... It wasn't just going to be the cross of of facing temptation. It wasn't just going to be the cross of of loving people who, who mocked him and laughed at him. All of those things were true. But it was going to be a real cross with real nails and real suffering. And Jesus didn't do a cost benefit analysis and weigh the pros and the cons and should I really go through with this? He did. He knew what was ahead. He knew what awaited him in Jerusalem, and he went. And he went so that he could be uncomfortable, but so that he could win for you eternal comfort. He went to save you. He went to save me. He went to save all people. 
That's why Jesus went to Jerusalem. That's why he went to the cross. And it wasn't just the mocking. It wasn't just the laughter. It wasn't just the pain of hanging on that cross, exposed to the elements. But on that cross, he was in the crosshairs of the eternal wrath of God, of hell itself. And not because he was imperfect, not because of his sin, but because of ours. On that cross, he suffered what we deserved. And here's the beauty. Jesus went through all of that so that you and I, while we might know some discomfort today in this life, that we will never know what we deserve. We will never know that eternal suffering that should be ours, but that he took. He suffered and he died and he did it for you. And here is why. It's our last takeaway this morning. Jesus went to the cross to give me eternal comfort. And here's where we're tempted, right? Oh, yeah, I knew that. I've heard that before. Nothing new today, Pastor. See, God knows our, our sinful and our stubborn hearts, doesn't he? And what an amazing thing that God, just like his, his people in Jerusalem, what did he do? He didn't say, hey, come back once or you're done. He sent messenger after messenger, message after message. He even sent his own son. And he does the same for you and me. For our sinful, stubborn hearts that say, no thanks, not today, God. For our sinful, stubborn hearts that that want to hold on to sin because it's more comfortable than, than admitting it. God comes calling. He comes calling through his word. He comes calling through his messengers. He comes calling through Christian friends to expose our hearts and to give us Jesus. To give us that comfort that we need. The comfort when we are feeling uncomfortable because of our sin, because of our apathy. See, God knows that, that we deserve to just be struck down, to be banished from him forever, but that's not what he does, is it? No, that's what he did to his son. So that you might be with him forever. Because that's the beauty of what God asks you, tells you and me to do. He doesn't say, I want you to be uncomfortable because I like to make you squirm. He says, I want you to love me more than you love comfort. And if that means stepping outside of your comfort zone to share your faith, if that means stepping outside of your comfort zone to, to lovingly tell a friend, a loved one, I know this is going on and, and I care about you, and I want to give you the peace of God, the forgiveness that Jesus gives. If that means being real with ourselves and admitting where we truly fall short, well, God wants us to do that. He wants us to get outside of that comfort zone, that the love of comfort, because he's got something far better for us. He's got an eternity 
where there is no hunger and there is no thirst and there is no pain and there is no sadness and there is no suffering. He's got an eternity where there is no sin, no brokenness, where there is no guilt, where there is no shame, an eternity of comfort. Not just being comfortable, but of comfort in the presence of God, living in his goodness and his glory forever. See, that's the comfort God has for you. And that's what he wants you to keep your eyes and your hearts focused on. Because that's what helps motivate us. That's what helps spur our hearts out of the apathy, out of the comfort zone, out of the love of comfort, to love God more than that, and to live for him. God bless you and strengthen you to keep your eyes focused on the cross of Jesus this Lenten season as he goes to win for you eternal comfort. Amen. May the peace of our God, which goes beyond our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ.